Welcome back to another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined uh, on the phone by Rob Casty from Miami, Florida. Rob, how's it going today? It's going, man. I just want to thank everybody for tuning in to our special election day, post-election day issue, where we will go over in, in detail uh, the results. No, we, we wouldn't do that to you guys. Uh, we talk about only important things here, I guess, like where kids are going to college. Well, you know, uh, you and I both live in key uh, swing states, which of course will be decided by the time people hear this. Uh, Nick Kruger, living in a red state out there in Texas. Uh, how's everything going, Nick? Oh, good. I just want to thank you guys as my running mates for making me the most popular, most well-liked, well-received analyst in the Rivals.com network. Well, you know, I was telling I was telling Nick before we started the show that I actually forgot to vote today, and then I saw Taylor Swift tweeting me and reminded me there was an election. I totally had slipped my mind, uh, but luckily all those people out there reminding me to vote uh, really have motivated me to, to get out and hit the polls. Yeah, it's so not really your civil that. civic duty to vote as much as it's your civic duty to tweet to remind people to vote. I think that's, that's, yeah, the, important, yeah, that's the important thing here. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, we want to remind you, check out Rivals.com. All our recruiting coverage is there. And uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can find us at Rivals Podcast on Twitter. Email us, RivalsPodcast at Yahoo.com. And uh, leave us a review on iTunes or subscribe. You find us there, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you can't find us, uh, let me know, and I'll make sure we get on uh, some random platform. So, listen, let's jump right into it, boys. We've got we got a lot. We got you know, it's kind of a kind of a slow time right now as a lot of the recruits are waiting for everything to shake out, especially coaching change wise. I mean, three weeks from now is when our lives will all be ruined, and every kid will decommit from every school, and no one will answer the phone. Uh, we all we all love that time of year. Uh, but I wanted to talk first about Chris Peterson, the Washington coach. Now, he's obviously done a great job recruiting when he was at Boise State. Uh, uh, he was great at identifying players, finding early, find a lot of NFL guys that slipped under the radar. Now he's at Washington. He's, doing, he's done more of the same. I mean, he hasn't had a lot of highly ranked guys there. He, they're starting to build on that, but obviously they're a top-five team. Now, he came out this week. He was on Coach K's radio show on Sirius uh, XM and they, you know, had some great coach speak going back and forth about, uh, you know, the kind of guys they like to recruit and stuff like that. And I found some of the stuff interesting. Uh, you know, he was, he was talking back and forth with Coach K, and here was his quote. He said, uh, you know, it, when talking about a specific player, does he truly love football on a scale of one to ten? Does he love it at a fifteen? I make a big thing about that. <laughs> I knew Rob would like that one. Uh, I make a big thing about that nowadays because I think so many kids don't love football. They love recruiting. They love being recruited. Uh, and then he goes on to talk about that. And then and then uh, he added this part, which I thought uh, which I thought Rob would really enjoy. Do people like him? I know his coach is going to like him. The coach always likes his best player. Does the English teacher like him? Do the counselors like him? That's been our thing, trying to find the right guys staff-wise and treat kids the right way. And we want a certain type of student-athlete to come here. So we'll, we'll go to Rob first. Rob, what's your take on that? And, and what do you think about Coach Peterson's uh, approach to recruiting? And do you think that's accurate to, to what they're trying to do? I think it's nuanced. Uh, I don't think it's ever you know, a hard line. I think that kids can like both things, right? Like you can love football and still enjoy that grown men are begging you to come to their school and offering you this and offering you that. And they, there's definitely some of that. I mean, there's a reason that these committed kids are now setting dates for final decisions when that doesn't, it's just a word that means nothing, you know, but they like the, they like the hoopla and they like the fans begging them and yada, yada, yada. I understand it. Uh, I don't think, do I think that Chris Peterson asks English teachers? Maybe if the kid is 
you know, like a three or four star kid. But if the number one player in the country or a top five player in the country wanted to go to Washington and they loved his talent and the English teacher was like, ah, you know, he's kind of a jerk. Uh, guess what? Chris Peterson's taking that kid. Uh, he's not going to be like, nah, you know, I'll let, I'll let Alabama have him because the English teacher doesn't like him. That's not a real thing that happens. It's a real thing that coaches say, especially to other coaches when they go on other coaches' radio shows to impress the other coaches. Uh, And that's what happened here, I think. But do I think, I agree with the bigger point. I think there are kids that do soak up the recruiting process. Now, does that hurt them on the college football field? I don't think so. I don't see how the two things are really correlated. Um, But it's definitely a thing that exists. I don't think that I'd sit here and tell you that these kids are, you know, all not into it. I mean, I'd be into it too, though. Well, there have been plenty of kids that I can tell you, you know, in terms of the likability factor. <laughs> I mean, you know, do people like him? If that's that was that was Peterson's quote. I can tell you there have been several players that uh, I have not liked personally or, you know, not gotten along with. Uh, it happens in every class. Generally, those type of players are, are not liked by several people. And a lot of times those are the guys that, that end up having personality conflicts when they get to schools. So I, I do think there is some merit there. Um, you know, but sometimes guys are surly and they, they don't like the media. There's a difference between being unlikable in general and, and not liking the media. I think by the time kids commit or sign, they're tired of us. And I totally understand that. I, I'm tired of, you know, 99% of recruiting reporters myself, uh, you know, just, to, just as, as being one. So, Nick, you know, you're a very likable guy, especially out of the three of us. <laughs> what, what do you think and what, what, what stock do you put in that, that likability factor or the, the maybe the, char- the, the, the character issues that you can't really, I guess, measure, especially considering coaches don't spend that much time around these kids? Yeah, and I don't. I, I mean, I find it hard to believe too that any that any coach really takes a deep dive into what the what the staff at this. I mean, wait, remember remember our boy from uh, Virginia Tech that sent out that that tweet that asked the janitor what he thought about the kid. He had a bad attitude, and that was the end of that. So yeah, he left the uh, high school. That's what he said. He just totally left. Ge- generally, from the first conversations that you have with kids, you know, uh, you know, are they are they going to have the charisma? Are they going to have the uh, you know sort of the ability to you know infuse themselves into a into a team environment get along well with other people and and that's really all you can you know kind of bank on as far as a personality goes because like rob said i mean there's kids of varying levels that are going to have different levels of you know how well they associate with other people and fit into a team environment so you know i i i like when kids have have fun with the recruiting process and as long as they uh you know as long as they you know, have a good attitude towards us so we can do our jobs because I think we all try to do a fair job of representing them too. And, you know, and I think when, when you have, in a perfect world, you have a good kid with a good attitude that plays on a good team that is willing to deal with us and only commits once and, and then that's the end of the story. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's really all it comes down to for me. The three of us joke about this a lot off the air and even on the air on this podcast that we roll our eyes when we see other reporters or coaches or whoever else say, you know, great player, even better person. Because, you know, we don't know that. We don't know these kids. There have been plenty of kids that I've liked that seem genuinely likable to everybody that end up robbing somebody when they get to college, right? Like, I, I don't know a thing about them. All I can tell you is, hey, they're nice to the media. Um, does that mean anything? I, is them being nice to the English teacher, does that mean anything? I, I'm not sure it does in every case. I mean, you can try to make some judgments, but like I said, no coach is going to turn away a five-star because the English teacher said he cursed at her. Right. I, and we do see schools step away from guys. We've seen it in the past, but but generally there's always somebody who's willing to to give them a shot. I think there are – I think he does have a point when, you know, I think – 
guys who love recruiting. And the, the problem is, it, what I don't like about college coaches is they end up turning it on us as it's a media problem. We hyped them up, uh, which, you know, we obviously play a role in that when you're ranking kids, especially younger and younger. But the, the coach, the, the schools are sending them, you know, their faces on the cover of Sports Illustrated or them at the NFL draft and future first round. I mean, they build the kids up just as much with promotional materials and, and, you know, things like that when they're loving kids up in the recruiting process. So I think, I think coaches kind of need to take a look in the mirror and then they have to do it to get the kids. They have to love them up like that, but don't, let's not turn it into a, Hey, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a coach and I'm out here trying to do things the right way. And the, you know, the media is trumping up these kids, which I, I don't really like that narrative either. So yeah, I've I, never I once, interesting... I've never once photoshopped a kid onto a Heisman trophy winner's body or told a kid that he was <laughs> awesome at football. <laughs> that's not me. That's, that's you brother. Right. And I, we do rank kids, but yeah, I, I don't think I ever have a, I never have a communication with a kid where I tell him, man, you're. You know, I'll I'll tell a kid good game after or you. Uh, I thought you played well tonight or something like that. But I will never say, you know, man, you'd be a perfect fit in any offense. <laughs> you know, I don't. That's not that's not a discussion I have with any people recruits. sleeping on you. Yeah, hey man, <laughs> man, you, you're definitely a, a stud. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's never been discussed uh, on my end. So uh, let's move on from that topic into another school still struggling. I guess we've talked about this a little bit. Old Miss fans are probably tired of hearing it, but their commitment list continues to, to dwindle. They're now down to uh, to just 10 commits. And I'm sort of wondering, when do they turn the corner here? Rob, what's your take? You cover the state of Mississippi for us. Um, what, what, what's going to happen? I mean, are uh, are they are they falling towards Baylor territory in terms of recruiting where they're, you know, got one or two commits by the time this is over? Are these guys that are there, are they loyal or what's going to happen from here? I don't think it's going to be Baylor levels of bad, but, you know, there's obviously, you know, a hodgepodge of issues here. Uh, it's never one thing. It's they're not playing very well in the field. There is a looming NCAA investigation and possible sanctions. Whether or not that happens, I'm not going to guess, but, you know, it's a possibility and everybody knows it is. Then, you know, Alabama being what Alabama is right now and coming off a national championship and looking dominant is never good for Ole Miss because the proximity that they both recruit, you know, the states of Alabama and Mississippi. Uh, There's a reason that there's only one four-star committed to Ole Miss right now, and it's D.D. Bowie, who I do believe will stay there. You know, he committed early for a reason. He wants to go to Ole Miss. Barring something crazy like bull bands or something, I think they'll land him. Um, But, I mean, all those factors create some kind of uncertainty. I think that if it was just one of those three things – yeah, they'd have a shot to really rebound and be fine by the end of the cycle, flip some guys, and I'm sure they'll do that anyway. But those three things working against them might be a little bit too much. And, you know, it will never be Baylor bad. Not everybody's going to leave. They're not going to have a class ranked in the 60s or something crazy like that. But uh, there's some concern there, I think, definitely. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of times with the players from the state, you don't expect them to leave. But, you know, we talked last week, I think, or a week before about uh, Willie Gay, who decommitted, and he looked like he's headed to, to Michigan. I just, you know, if you're if you're Ole Miss, you got to push this, you know, you got to do whatever you can to get this investigation done. I know they're kind of at the mercy of, of uh, you know, the committee there, but, you know, can we get it over with? It's, it's, it's killing them. It's killing their recruiting. I don't, they're not offering a lot of guys. I don't even hear a lot of players telling me they're getting offers now. And if they lose I, Cam Akers, Woody, boy, it's, there's going to be a, a mini meltdown there. I mean, cause for a while there, it looked like they were going to land him and now hmm, <laughs> who knows? Well, well, that's the problem is you've had, 
you've had these Ole Miss teams that have been very good, but they've always been missing that star running back. And now you have, you know, the team is loaded with talent. They've lost some games. They're not having a great year. They've had some injuries now, but they still have a ton of talent on that team. And he would kind of be the missing piece in terms of offensively to have a, a really, truly great running back like that come in and a guy that could be able to play right away. And so, like you said, if they missed him, I think you know I think that's a big stinker. But I, I, we don't really have a we don't really have an answer here. I mean, I guess we're just kind of pontificating. As well, to is what... is uh, is Shea Patterson playing this weekend? Well, that's we'll, we'll talk about that on the, the the next segment down the road here with the quarterback. I, I'll just 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 so we have something compelling to talk about in regards to Ole Miss and recruiting. Just a little light at the uh, end of the tunnel here. I think I think if Shea Patterson comes in and plays very well for them in the short term, I think that's probably the best thing that could happen for uh, Ole Miss right now because the 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 people that I've talked to uh, that that have been recently recruited by Ole Miss have all said that you know they've had some level of conversation with Shea. I feel like, I feel like uh, when people when kids go on visits to Ole Miss, uh, Shea's a guy that that has probably played a positive uh, role in in their recruiting efforts once kids get on campus. If he comes in and he plays well and kind of salvages a little bit of their season here down the stretch, you know, and and sort of gets back. Uh, you know, into into that sort of role with them as far as their recruiting. I'm not saying I, you know, I can't gauge how much it'll actually help, but I would say that that's that's something that would definitely work in their favor given given the way things have gone for them over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, so let's kind of transition into that topic: um, the quarterback injuries. We have Florida; their quarterbacks out. Uh, Ole Miss, that you know, Chad Kelly's out for the year, and now Trevor Knight's out for the year for Texas A&M. You've got at Florida and at Ole Miss, you have you know highly ranked guys, Felipe Franks at Florida and Shea Patterson at Ole Miss, who are were set to redshirt. Now you've got a few games left in the year. Uh, Florida's obviously has a lot more to play for than Ole Miss, but. I mean, I guess we can ask you, Rob. Do you think they should pull the red shirt off him personally? You know, with these, you know, Shea Patterson was like the number, a top five player in the country. Uh, if his career goes as anybody is expected, he's not going to be there for four years anyway. So why are you red shirting the kid? I don't, I don't get that. I don't get that plan. I mean, I know Frank's is a lot more raw, but what's your take, Rob? Would you would you throw the young kids out into the fire this late in the year? Or are you are you a, a Mr. Redshirt? Yeah, you know, obviously case by case basis. Uh, I think I can understand. I can make a case for what they're doing at Ole Miss. Um, what, if you play Shea and he does play well, I mean, what's what's the ceiling for this team right now? Uh, I mean, they've already they've got a losing record right now. Do you want to burn that redshirt this late in the season to play in you know a lower to mid tier bowl game? I don't know. With Franks, and it's always on a case-by-case basis, he's one where if he was that much better than the guys they have been playing, he would have played by now. Um, they're not – I mean, I don't think anybody went into the season thinking Florida had an answer at quarterback, right? Like we always kind of knew that this was going to be a rough go for them as far as that position goes. And if you have this superstar in a red shirt, as soon as it went south, wouldn't they have tried this earlier in the year if they really thought he was the answer right away, if they thought he was ready? I'm not saying that he's – not good or that he won't turn into a very good player. But I think that all signs point to Franks is not ready to be that guy right now. Whereas Patterson, uh, maybe the reason why they're uncertain about throwing him out there is kind of to preserve him for the future. Yeah, but, you know, guess what? If Franks isn't ready, who cares? let him run around. Go throw him in there and, and all of a sudden give a team a different look. They have a chance to win the SEC East. And it's it's pretty obvious that, you know, he's... That's, what, that's why I'm saying I don't think he's... They, they don't view him as the guy for whatever reason because they do have that chance. And if they did view him as the guy, I think he'd already be in there. Uh, 
I say I say put him in and run the single wing if you have to. I mean, he's a he's a very athletic guy, and, and my thing is, I guess he you know he can't be any worse, especially considering uh, the way I think uh, Appleby is the other quarterback. He played he started out good against I think Tennessee, and then has just been terrible ever since. So I, I, I don't know. I I'm in favor of you know of of putting the guys in there some you, you you have a plan you know you know the old mike tyson quote everyone's got a plan till they get punched in the mouth it's like guess what you have a plan uh old miss to save shea patterson for whatever reason you got punched in the mouth throw him out there you know you, this is the guy you wanted and i know you know there are other guys on the roster who who are you know maybe competing for playing time but uh, i don't have a problem in in putting the young guys out there and maybe that's what you need maybe like nick said uh, that gives you some recruiting momentum, momentum because players see, hey, this this guy is the real deal, and it just it could give the whole program momentum heading into uh, the next season. So I don't know. I guess we're kind of split on that one, but I'm all, I'm all in favor. Who cares about a red shirt? We see players transferring left and right, especially at the quarterback position. I think it's it's too hard to try to save guys and and everything like that. You're never going to convince a kid to 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 wait for his own for his own good. I mean, every everybody thinks. I mean, part of the part of the reason, you know, kind of existentially going back to our opening topic, part of the reason kids, uh, you know, are where they are is because they think they're the best kid, you know, the best player on the field. So, and it, and it stinks as a, from a fan's perspective when you've made it this far through the season, you're holding on to a guy that, you know, you're saving a year of eligibility for him. Uh, you know, and then you make it, you make it here with, with just a couple games left in the season, maybe you're bowl eligible, maybe you're not. And then you're going to burn that, that opportunity to get him out there from a fan. It's, it's frustrating from a player. It's frustrating to make it to this point in the season and not have played that much when you think that you can help the team. But, uh, you know, and that, that's the, that's the difficulty that, you know, the, the wire that the coaches walk, but I mean, you know, I, I, like I, 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 between the two of them too, for, for my money, I'd rather put, I'd rather put Shea, I'd feel a lot better about putting Shea out there, uh, than, than Felipe. Uh, <laughs> I'm not so sure if I'm saying his name right, but given what Felipe. I've seen from Felipe, yeah. I mean, when you have another quarterback in hand, like Appleby, that's already played this season and, uh, you know, and can, and can get you, get you to the end of the point this season. And Felipe, you know, from, from what I remember, it looked like he probably needed a little bit more work relative to Patterson. If I'm Florida, I, I try to hold Felipe out as, as long as I could and, uh, give Patterson some run if I'm Ole Miss. All right. Well, a lot of compelling arguments there, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's just interesting to see how these uh, coaches manage. No, nobody's going to make that. Nobody's going to make that Applebee's joke. Then we're going to just leave that one on the table. Nobody's going to get that one off. No, no. All right. Good. I, <laughs> I, I didn't want to get it off either. I couldn't find a way. I couldn't find a way. Well, I'm real sensitive with special corporate corporate entities, thanks to that nature. So I don't want to offend anybody. Um, now moving on to another quarterback topic, like quarterback heavy. We got nothing to talk about this week. Jake Bentley, who I think uh, Nick Kruger and I famously drafted uh, to be the quarterback of our team Tumblr at the Five Star Challenge uh, at the, in 2015. He did very well for us there. He ends up enrolling early at South Carolina, a year early. He was supposed to be in the 2017 class. I don't think any of us know how exactly he did it. I don't. There was definitely some interesting uh things there that we've heard about guys graduating early he graduated in the summer made it into south carolina was set to redshirt just like some of these other guys we mentioned uh south carolina's quarterback play was so bad he ends up coming in he's now three and oh he's won two sec games well one and a half i mean one of them was against missouri right (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) jeez shots fired Um, 
<laughs> like, no, I got nothing against Missouri, but come on, that's a bad football team. Anybody, anybody can see that. Yeah, they're having a rough year for sure. So he's he's three and zero. He should be in high school, even though he's I think he's about eighteen and a half. So if if we were to go with traditional grades, he probably should be in college. But it's all semantics at that point. Um, I guess we could start with Nick. He, you know, since he was on our team, uh, did we think he was going to be this good? I know I know Robert had him ranked as a four star when he was in Alabama. I think he he finished as a four star. We had to backdate him to the 2016 class so he wasn't in the rivals 250 but he was in the 250 originally until we had to backdate him and there was no way to backdate him into the rankings is the way to right yeah it's very confusing so is uh he surprised me i mean i guess nick what do you think yeah definitely surprised me i I, you know take nothing away from him i but i wouldn't have expected him to to be the type of player to come in and uh you know lead a team that (laughs) lead a team that's had had some issues over the course of the season uh to you know to come in with a new coach and be the guy that you know writes the ship here at this point of the year for him you know you guys watch a lot more south carolina football than i have obviously but um you know i mean boy when 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 we saw him in high school just if, if you were to pick him out of a lineup and say who's you know who's the stud quarterback in this group he didn't necessarily have that look about him in <laughs> the five star challenge i mean he had his moments and he and you know and he threw some interceptions too i mean he's another guy that i would have pegged to have needed some seasoning but uh maybe that just speaks to my <laughs> analyzation of quarterbacks maybe felipe well, is the answer for for florida after all <laughs> what year was he in the five star challenge because i remember famously the last year i went to go visit his high school before the regional arrivals camp and asked him who was coming and he was just like point blank which i respected was just like nah i don't, I don't do camps was he in the five star that year or was he in the five star the year before no no that was that was this spring that you're talking about yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, he was at the five star challenge in 2015 uh and then I don't know what happened. Why at some point he he got mad about his ranking, I believe. Yeah, he was a little upset right? about his top two fifty ranking, but also I think that conversation, as I recall, was with him and his high school coach. We were I just threw it in at the end. We were talking about recruiting, and I think they knew at the time that he was going to be leaving, but they didn't want to put it out there yet because they kind of hinted at it that he was going to graduate early. Nobody ever came out and said. Uh, he's not even going to make it to be a senior. But I mean, they're looking back at the conversation now. There were definitely some cryptic hints, at least by the coach and by Jake, that I think the wheels were already in motion uh, at that time. So that might have been why he didn't come out that year. But not that that matters now because he's looked very good. Well, and he was always real friendly with me as a recruit. And then, like you said, a switch flipped there. And maybe it was when he knew he was going to leave. I mean, his dad actually. Uh, because, you know, I had done some, some tampering prior to the draft of the five-star challenge where I let him know that I was, that we were going to draft him and, and I wanted him to, to reach out to the wide receivers that he wanted on the team. So, you know, I go, when I, when I'm, when I'm a GM, I go deep and his dad actually sent me a, a handwritten letter saying how thankful, how happy he was and how much I, you know, made Jake's day by telling him I was going to draft him. It was a real kumbaya moment. Uh, in that, in that me same meeting with the coach, the more I think about it, he did tell me, he said, I'm, I might not be here at Opalaka this year. And I said, what do you mean? And then he kind of backtracked and he was like, uh, you know, I might go to high school in South Carolina. There was never a, a plan of that happening. That was just like his way of saying, I'm not going to be here. I'm not coming to the camp. And there's this mythical high school that I'm going to go to in South Carolina. <laughs> but really, I'm just not going to go to high school at all. Well, yeah, we should we should mention his dad, who once famously screamed in my face t- and told me how much he knows, how much more he knows about football than me. Uh, his dad is now on the staff at South Carolina as the running backs coach. He was a high school coach in, and was at Auburn. Uh, when everybody South- thought that Jake was going to Auburn as well. Right, exactly. So, so he he took the job at South Carolina, and, and Jake went with him, and it's working out very well for 
the Gamecocks, and I like it. This is their quarterback. They, you got your guy here. I mean, he, you know, he. There was never a question about Jake's talent. Um, he he had several knee injuries, which I think is what you know we were most wary about. But he's always been a guy. You know, Stanford liked him a lot, and he was in the conversation with some of the guys that are. You know, him and Davis Mills were both being evaluated by Stanford. Davis is a five star now, uh, so. I think South Carolina's got their guy. I think they have a lot to be happy about, and I think this is a big help for them recruiting-wise. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, is from the state, even though, as you mentioned, he was in Alabama for a few years, and he, he can really appeal to a lot of people, and you have that quarterback. I think it, it really helps you. All right, boys. Uh, we talked a lot about Tennessee uh, with all kinds of drama. Of course, they smashed Tennessee Tech this past week. Uh, and also smashed my mentions on Twitter. As, <laughs> as, uh, that was the real victory. <laughs> Yeah, this is, we don't even have a Tweet of the Week segment this week because uh, I'm so scarred from people hoping that I would die and Photoshopping, uh, you know, fallacies into my <laughs> into my hands and things of that nature. So it was uh, it was bad. It was a bad Twitter day for me on Saturday. And just because I said they were playing Tennessee Tech, which Nick gave me some guff for, but I, I still think I'm an innocent party there. Um Preston Williams, the the former four-star wide receiver in the Rivals rankings, he, he chooses Colorado State. He's going to sit out next year. And then Jalen Hurd comes out and releases a statement on why he decided to transfer. And I, I thought some things were telling there and what he had to say. A, a lot of times coaches, you know, especially now, coaches try to cover up. And I wouldn't say cover up. Coaches don't like to disclose injuries to the media. And I, I don't really blame them. You don't. They don't have to. Um, but there was some time when Hurd wasn't playing in some of these games where he was hurt, and I think he wanted the coaches to communicate that, and that's where some speculation started in the media about, oh, he was benched, why did they bench him? Um, and that, that led to hurt feelings, and that kind of took us down the trail we're at now. I, I, I think if they can win out, you know, a lot of this stuff gets forgotten, but, you know, Rob, you wanted to talk about this, so what's, what's, what's your take kind of on Hurd's statement and and then, and then Preston uh, taking the resort out to the to, to the snow bunnies in uh, Fort Collins. You know this kind of thing happens, and you know to be to be fair to Tennessee fans, I uh, I clicked on the statement, looked underneath it, and try and thought I was going to see a massacre. You know, but they were all pretty gracious and nice to him about it. Uh, I thought he handled it very well. Um, it, it, these kind of things happen at every program in the country. Sometimes they get a little bit more publicized than they do in this case. Uh, usually it's done, you know, under the radar and then both the kid and the coach agree to say he just wanted to be closer to home or whatever the lie is. And then when he pops up 2000 miles away from home, nobody cares anymore. You know, uh, this just happened to get a little bit more publicized and you know, that's the only real difference. Uh, I don't, I don't think that it was particularly shocking. I mean, I guess the timing of it was, uh, but you know, I think for weeks, I think people knew that there was a little bit of unrest there, uh, at least whatever the, the, the case was. Yeah, and, and you know it, it's it's a you know it's a bad situation. I, I've, Tennessee fans had no problem bashing Hurd when they were bashing me <laughs> on on the aforementioned Twitter because you know they they were really, well, yeah, you know there's no greater rivalry in college football than Woody Womack in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's right up there with the it's right up there with the Iron Bowl, I guess. They uh they got real they just got they got real mad because you know John Kelly had a hundred yards rushing and in in Hurd's absence, I think. I think the big winner in all this stuff is Alvin Kamara. I think he's supposed to come back this week. He's a former five-star in the JUCO ranks and a guy that, that I think I ranked in the top 40 or something coming out of high school. So, you know. Yeah. He, I made him a five-star in JUCO. Right, yeah. Rob ranked him a five-star. Back when I was handed – back in the glory days of me handling the junior college rankings. Yeah, those were, those were the, you know, the salad days as, as we call them. Um, but I think he's a guy that benefits you. And I think – 
you, you see him have an explosive end to the year, which I expect, and even John Kelly, who's looked pretty good. And maybe you see someone, uh, you mentioned Akers. He's still out there, and Tennessee still thinks they have a shot. I know he's visited several times. You know, maybe maybe he sees those guys, those guys having that success down the stretch run and, and thinks maybe I can go there and step right in and do the same thing. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, and her leaving may not have hurt that that issue, you know. Like, I'm sure that didn't that didn't play negatively, uh, unless he's really concerned with whatever happened there with the injuries and whatnot. But I doubt he is, uh, knowing Cam. Yeah, knowing yeah, or any any kid with comes to that stuff. So uh, this week we're not going to have an interview air during the show. Rob's going to speak with Mike Leach later in the week. Uh, we've been slack. Very excited about that. Yeah, we hopefully that's going to be good. And we've been uh, slack on the interviews lately, but I know we're getting ready to head out on the road, so we'll have plenty of stuff uh, coming up integrated into the show as the weeks move along. Uh, now it's time for the game of the week. Boy, Rob, you were gone last week. Nick and I both decided to pick Nebraska against to cover a seventeen and a half point spread. You gave us our you gave us our pick off the air. You picked Ohio State. They smashed them. I mean, Tommy Armstrong got hurt. It was a brutal day for Nebraska. Uh, that drops me to five and four on the year. Nick six and three, and Rob with the lead at seven and two. So congratulations there. Uh, Boy, we're just trying to make America rich again here. Yeah, you you keep on you keep on doing it. So this week, uh, we dip into the Big Twelve, Nick's neck of the woods, for Baylor at Oklahoma. Oklahoma, fifteen and a half point favorite. As Baylor kind of uh, has lost some of the luster after a couple losses there. Nick, uh, this is your conference. So why don't you give us your take first? You know, well, I I, I was telling you, Woody, uh, last week the game the game that I was most interested in was TCU and Baylor. I was actually contemplating going to that game in person uh, to check it out for a short period of time. That that was a pretty entertaining game. I think the wheels are starting to to fall off the bus for Baylor. We know we they had a couple of uh, off weeks in between uh, big games uh, last month, and you know they. They, they just haven't been able to find the consistency. Seth Russell had the concussion issue, came back last week and played, obviously. But things have just sort of been, uh, you know, a little topsy-turvy, you know, out there for Baylor. Meanwhile, Oklahoma has, uh, you know, definitely righted the righted the ship and, and found the answer to the things that were ailing them uh, at the start of the season, come through and have looked much more solid here in recent weeks. Uh, people are going to say that Baylor's passing attack is going to give Oklahoma secondary fits, but... You know, I think at this point now, you know, with the game being in Oklahoma, Oklahoma having the momentum uh, and seizing an opportunity to to win the conference now, as we're seeing some of the other teams at the top uh, pick up some L's here at this point in the season. You know, I, th- I think Oklahoma comes through and uh, seizes the opportunity here with that. Uh, you know, and takes the takes the points and the win. Okay. Wow, Rob, what do you got? Man, that's too many points. Oklahoma is a very good football team. I've said on this podcast before from the beginning of the year, even right. I believe if you rewind and listen to the episode. Uh, the day after they lost to Texas, I said that they're still going to win the Big 12. And they are, uh, but they're not going to cover this. Uh, they're going to beat Baylor. Uh, they are not going to beat Baylor by 16 points. Uh, I think this is a little bit of a closer game than people think. Oklahoma's a team with some problems, uh, even offensively, I think. you know They've got weapons, but I mean they haven't looked perfect on either side of the ball. Baylor, as down as they've been for the last couple of weeks, still has athletes. Uh, we forget that you know they recruited so well for years. Their recruiting is down now, but there are still residual guys hanging around that team that can make plays, and I think the Oklahoma secondary is in trouble. I think uh, I'll take the Bears and the points. Well, this is a this is a tough one because you know I, I don't ever want to root for Baylor in this situation, especially with the things that have been going on lately with these you know the black jerseys and support of Art Bryles, and I mean it really seems like a Seems like a, a kind of a program in denial on that front, and and 
but I, I do think there is some validity to what Nick said. I think maybe the team has has sort of checked out here. We know the coaches have checked out on the recruiting trail. I, it's unbelievable that they've just given up on recruiting completely, uh, and they're, they're all going to be gone in a few weeks. And I think once they got that first loss, you know, it's one of those situations where it's a snowball. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and take Oklahoma to cover that 15 and a half. I, I'm sure it could be you know 72 to to 49 or something like that, but. Uh, <laughs> That's a lot of points, but I'm going to go with man. Well, I'm on the eye of the load again. If you got, you know, I, I watching the game last week. I mean, ba- Baylor just. I, I made the comment to you, Woody. I mean, Baylor looked like they were playing with eight guys out on the field defensively when they had eleven. I mean, I think I think Oklahoma is going to have both uh, both of their running backs available to them this week coming up. So, uh, you know, if I'm Oklahoma, I just you know I just go I just go to the uh, the Dante Foreman script that Texas uses and just run it down their throats. Kill the clock out. Get out of there with an uh, easy breezy win, and I, you know, I just, I just don't see how Baylor is going to keep up with them. All right, we got some uh, semi breaking news here on the old podcast, which will not be breaking news by the time it airs tomorrow. Chevin Calloway officially decommits from Iowa. See you later, Chevin. Uh, I think we saw that one coming, right? Right, Nick. That was coming for a while now. Yeah. What's the well, narrative? Yeah, the be com- there? No, the, well, the you know the the same the same story that happened with with Chevin is uh, what you know what we saw happen with Eno. Chevin much more public about the visits that he was uh, that he was taking. The Iowa staff obviously didn't have any uh, interest in in dealing with that, as we've talked about on this podcast before. You know, this is I guess you know I guess this was a silent decommitment, or uh, Iowa pulled the offer. Depending on who you ask, you're probably going to get a different story. But you know, it shouldn't be it shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody that's been following his recruitment. Uh, the obvious leaders here coming up, I think. Well, I, I would have said Ole Miss was was in the in the mix as his next team up, but given given the uh, the trajectory that they're on, you know, it certainly seems like Nebraska's in the driver's seat here with Chevin. Who does Iowa think they are? Let me just ask you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, like I, nothing against Iowa. It's you know, a storied program and a, and a nice, a nice team. But are they really in a position to be acting like this right now? Well, th- that, that's my point. I, I agree, Have you, and Nick. And maybe I don't know. We can bump this up with the other topics. I, I really think that you cannot have a blanket policy on these guys. Guess what? You have to treat different people differently. And I think Jimmy Johnson said it back in the day when he was a coach of the Cowboys. He's like, yeah, there's a different set of rules for my star players because that's just how it is. And I mean, I know some coaches don't like to do that. I was used to recruiting, you know, two and three star guys and developing them into good players down the road. And they've done a good job doing that. And they, they pop up every four or five years with a lot of talented, experienced players and they have a great season. But, you know, I'm with Rob on this one. You you turn away Eno Benjamin because of you know whatever the the you know loss of trust I think is what uh, our Iowa site reported. Now they report this officially decommits. Kind of gives me the vibe that the co- the staff is selling that they they cut him loose again. So I mean, if you're a top ranked guy from Texas, why would you ever consider Iowa? I mean, y- these top ranked kids want to go take visits, like we mentioned in the the earlier topics. I just I just don't get it. I'm 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 with Rob on this one. And well, I just think you gotta... just to play just to play devil's advocate for for Iowa. If I if I'm the Iowa program, and they, okay, before before everything got hairy with these guys, and and Chevin Chevin was the one that was the one that everybody was speculating on. And I had a conversation with Eno, and I said, you know, what's you know what do you think of Chevin's attitude towards you know towards the staff and the things that he was saying to our Nebraska site after you know they had talked to him following his visit, 
And, you know, it was just like, you know, once the season starts, these coaches can't be giving you all the attention that you expect. And I think that's probably, you know, to the Iowa, Iowa staff's detriment that they thought, listen, we're, you know, we're a long distance away from a number of kids that we've recruited here in Texas. We've got all their commitments. Let's come out with this policy. That, and maybe they've had this policy in place for years, but let's really drive home the fact that we don't expect them to take visits because we can't stay on top of them because the season's going on. They're far away. You know, if it was just one of these kids in Texas that was taking the visits, you know, you could kind of, you could kind of lean on the other commits in the class to say, Hey, listen, you know, get, get your head right. We're all, we're all falling in line here, but that's not, that's not been the case. Uh, clearly, every, you know, there's other kids that have been taking visits and looking elsewhere. And, you know, you, at that point, you just can't enforce that policy. Well, and guess what? Kid, this is something that people may not realize. Kids like to go to football games for free and hang out with a bunch of attractive college <laughs> girls and their friends. Well, and every I mean, and every single every single former player you talk to, like what you know, whenever you do a puff piece, what's the one piece of advice that you would give to recruits today? They all say the same thing: take all of your visits. You know, and it and it flies in the face of what we hear so many coaching staffs uh, tell tell the players themselves or what they want for their players, but. That's the, that's always been that's always been the answer from former players. Take all your visits. But look, man, it's this simple for Iowa. At least, like, if you let these kids visit, will you maybe lose them? Sure. But if you enact this policy and boot them, you will one hundred percent lose them. So you might as well give yourself a chance, right? Like, I know that like fans and coaches like to puff their chest out and be like, "Oh, you know, our coaches took a hard line." Well, yeah, your coaches took a hard line, and guess what? You lost good players that could have helped your team win actual football games. So I hope it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, I I really like both these players that they're losing. I mean, uh, I think one of the reasons uh, our boy Chevin is so high is I really beat his I beat the drum for him uh, back back in the spring before Nick had officially uh, taken over here as the old Texas uh, analyst. So I, I I you know I like both these guys are losing. I think wherever they go, if Nebraska gets him, uh, good for them because I think he's a really good player. So. Uh, well, yeah, nice bonus segment there. Let's uh, move on now. Rants and recommendations. Boy, everybody loves it. We've had uh, more people. We should just do a podcast about this and forget recruiting. <laughs> that seems to be the feedback I get from all of our friends and family. Uh, we would all be fired so fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, I would for sure. Um, you know, <laughs> so who wants to start? I see, I see Rob, you got something positive. I, boy, do I have something positive after spending the weekend in Pittsburgh. Holy cow. Um, so I guess we could start with you, Rob, and then go to Nick, and then I'll, I'll rant, we'll rant away at the end. I think I may have already brought this up on one of the very first episodes of this podcast back in the old format when it was just you and myself, Woody. Uh, when the first season came out, but the new season of Black Mirror is out, and if you're unfamiliar, it is a British television show that's uh, kind of like got a Twilight Zone vibe, but it's all revolves around technology, right? That's why it's called Black Mirror because you know uh, your phone screen or iPad screen or whatever is essentially a Black Mirror. It's very clever. Um, some of these episodes will make you feel like you need to shower afterwards, uh, but they're they're all very you know they affect you. Uh, that's for sure, and it's compelling and. Uh, it's some nice social commentary as well, I think. Like, you know, it is a little bit of fantasy and a little bit of tech stuff, but it's also a lot of commentary on kind of society now and maybe the direction we're headed in. And, uh, you know, I think it gives it gives you a reason to think. Uh, and those are always my kind of favorite television shows. Uh, I think anybody that hasn't viewed it uh, will enjoy it and should view it. That's what I got. So so is it on BBC America? Or is that what uh, I've been watching it on or? Netflix. I think it originally airs on – I think it also airs on BBC America. Check her out on Netflix. Uh now, a lot of us have been seeing this uh, Nick's complaint here, the mannequin challenge. Nick, uh, are you tired of it already? I know I, I know I am, but go ahead. Let's hear it. Well, you know, here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for, uh, 
social media crazes and and you know as as you and as you and me have been known to enjoy different themes on vine uh the now defunct uh vine but but this mannequin challenge is not something i can get behind you know the the running man challenge i got a big kick out of because uh go city djs was uh you know that song was a big big part of my nostalgic recollection of middle school dances and uh you know just just a, just a real good time and to see everybody having a good time with it the smiles on their faces the dance moves the creativity and bringing guys into the in and out of the shots just fantastic mannequin challenge i mean can, is there any is there anything less creative than just telling somebody stand still and let me shoot a video of you you know and then just walk around a room with you know a lot of these poses you know, I get I get why people think they're funny, but when we're holding up Powerade bottles to our head like we're talking on the phone, like that's not something that anybody's doing in their spare time recreationally on their own and would have a, a frozen uh, snapshot of their life taken, you know, in that moment. That's that's not something that happens. It's not funny to me. You know, there's only, so, you know, I'm still, there's there's other challenges going on that I enjoy more, including that uh that juju on that beat dance, which I really still enjoy watching uh, videos. <laughs> I really enjoy videos of that. So I would recommend watching those challenges over the mannequin challenges because I, I find dancing a lot more amusing than people doing nothing. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to start out on a positive note with mine. I went to Pittsburgh for a wedding this weekend, which, boy, talk about lovely weather. Uh, in a, uh, Pittsburgh's smaller than I thought, by the way. I wasn't, you know... Me being me being from out on the west coast, I expect these these cities on the east coast to be relatively big. But it reminded me of a, a very Portland sized city, maybe even smaller um, in terms of the size. But well, I was walking around town, and I noticed these these carts selling these uh, pepperoni rolls, and I was like, "What are, what are the you know, what what are these things?" Turns out it's exactly what they sound like. It's basically like a stromboli with no sauce. It's just pepperoni and cheese and bread and it's so delicious i mean i ate one on sunday that i mean let's just say i ate half of it and put the other half in my backpack and brought it home and then cooked it and ate it again for dinner so in a classic womack move <laughs> i mean we all know i think you guys who eat with me know my famous order at that at, at sandwich restaurants is a womack special which is which is sauce, pepperoni, and cheese cooked it on a sub in the oven, and boy, oh boy, this is this is just as good. I went and did some research on it. Turns out, guess what, guys? The U.S. Army used these pepperoni rolls uh, in 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 Operation uh, Enduring Freedom. Uh, the, the the soldiers packed them in their bags so they could eat them because they didn't require reheating and they contained uh, so many nutrients. So guess what? If you're in Pittsburgh, get some pepperoni rolls. West Virginia seems to be a thing too. So. Um, you would like, I'm telling you guys, I wish I could have brought everybody home. I wish I could give our whole audience one cause they were so good. Now on the negative side, as part of this trip, I went to a wedding and boy, I, I was real hungry because, uh, you know, I did, I hadn't discovered pepperoni rolls yet. We eat the meal and they cut the cake and here it comes. I'm so excited. And boy, can, can any of you guys guess what kind of cake it was? Yeah, no, we got nothing. <laughs> Well, I didn't hear anything you said. You like cut out completely. You said I eat the meal, and that was the last thing. I oh, heard. oh, I was doing yeah. that. It's been it's been doing that to all three of us. Um, just one of you just say red velvet. Red velvet. Yeah, that's right, Rob. It was friggin' red, red velvet cake, which is so gross. 
I mean, I'm I'm sorry. I didn't even try it. Guess what? I didn't even try it because I watched this this guy sitting next to me, and he, he had had a few alcohols in him by that point because the, the the ceremony was at one, and we didn't start eating cake until about nine. So you can tell what kind of day it had been for him. And uh, his face—it looked like when you're a little kid and your mom makes you finish eating your vegetables before you can have dessert. I mean, and he, he didn't know I was watching him until I until I mentioned it. I was like, "How's that? How's that cake?" And he just—he just looked at me with like a blank, a blank <laughs> face. There was a girl across the table, and you know, she was like, "This is." She was like shaking her head after taking a bite. I mean, and then I then I decided, you know what? I'm gonna go talk to some more people. I went around. I shot some video of all the uneaten cakes. This is so Woody. Uh, this is. <laughs> who else would ever do this? And then, <laughs> and then I talked. Then I talked to the server. I said, "Hey, you work here at this." Uh, you work here at this event center, right? She's like, oh, yeah. I was like, how many weddings? She's like, oh, man, at least two a week. And I said, let me ask you a question. What's up with these red velvet cakes? She's like, oh, no one ever eats it. We just throw it all away. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you have it. I know it's anecdotal evidence. But, guys, I, I don't look, it's your wedding. You can have whatever cake you want. Have the little small piece be red velvet for yourself. If you're feeding a large group of people, nobody wants it. It's disgusting. It, it's not cake. Rob, you don't even like cake, right? Yeah, I'm, I not a, yeah, like... I, I'm not a cake eater. I'm, I'm not one of you Adam Banks's for sure. Right. So, so you don't even like cake. Nick, I know you eat all kinds of things. But it's the, it's the kind of thing where people would say would say – do you do you want some red velvet cake? And you're going to say yes. But if you had to say if 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 you have five cakes in front of you and you have all various flavors, whether it be chocolate, vanilla, uh, whatever else there is, marble, I don't know, yellow. What what, what other cake flavors are there? Carrot, I would take any. I would take cheese. I would eat. Guess what? I'd eat ten carrot cakes before I had one bite of a red velvet cake. That's how. That's how much I dislike it. It's disgusting. And anybody who likes it, it's time to take a look in the mirror because you're part of the problem. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's it that's it for me i'm mad. i'm so mad now uh, you know what i'm gonna tweet so i'm gonna tweet the video i did tweet the video from my account at rivals woody i'll tweet it from rivals podcast account too because i shot a video of just straight down the table with all this cake with maybe one or less bites taken out of it so we'll be back next week with another episode but we're about to start hitting the road so uh if you want especially if you want to talk to hear from any specific recruits we're more than happy to uh book them on the old show I think a lot of us you know I know Rob doesn't have as a greater relationship with some people as, as other people this company <laughs> <laughs> oh man that was a right. nice one nobody else is going to get that but boy it's uh, funny to me but, but he'd be he'd be happy to drop in and uh <laughs> and, and interview any anybody you might want and I think I think I'd be happy to do the same as well so uh let us know. So that, that wraps it up. We want to thank M. Deuce for providing us with our music. You'll find him on SoundCloud, uh, soundcloud.com slash M-Deuce. I don't think he's been listening lately, boys, because he didn't make any comments to me uh, about the T-shirts as we're still waiting. Listen to us next week. Subscribe on iTunes. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.